0: Hello and welcome to Parently, where we tap into the unique experiences and perspectives of parents to celebrate the joys and honor the challenges of child rearing. With new interviews each week, this is a podcast for moms and dads seeking an empowering community and a little levity. Now here's your host, Kelsey Higgins.
1: Hello and welcome to Today, we have an awesome guest talking about something that you've probably heard about, but you may or may not know much about. Mm, I kind of understand it. I think I understand it, but we're probably about to find out if, if I really understand it. And that's natural family planning. So welcome to the show, Melissa Kornman.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Kelsey.
1: Yes, this is a really interesting topic. Let's start with you. Where did you grow up? Tell me about yourself.
0: I grew up in Orlando, and basically from kindergarten on. And then went to school to become a speech language pathologist. So that mm. requires a master's degree. I went to the University of Florida for my undergrad, and then went to the University of Georgia uh, for my for grad school. And were Florida and Georgia are big enemies, so that was kind of a weird transition. But <laughs> <Florida> <laughs> schools are great schools, and um, I worked for about three years, and in the middle of all that, met my husband, and we are now in Panama City. We did long distance, and he was always in Panama City, so we knew we would be here at least starting out our marriage, and then I stayed home once we had our first of four boys. We now have four boys, so ages six, four, two, and a seven-month-old baby. Wow. Wow. So yeah, my speech-language pathology days seem like a long time ago, but um, (laughs) every once in a while I think about it, it's back there somewhere. Got to dust off the cobwebs, Um, but basically full-time with the boys, and the oldest just started kindergarten this year, and we are currently homeschooling, so we'll see how that goes. I mean, we we like it so far, but who knows? We'll just take it year by year.
1: Was the homeschooling a, a part of the master plan, or was that pandemic- induced no
0: that was not it wasn't pandemic induced we have okay. talked about that I mean I don't know we just were always kind of open to it I have been friends with a lot of families who are they have kids who are a little bit older and I was just always attracted to what they had to say about homeschooling and mm-hmm. it just seemed like a cool option but yeah I mean especially with pandemic I was like eh, not yeah. really wanting him to be at school all day wearing a mask so it was definitely like yep we are doing this for now so
1: very cool. I did a whole uh podcast on homeschooling with a a gal who homeschools her eight children. Ooh. Uh, so that was a really yeah, that was a really cool one to, to hear about. And I certainly learned a lot and understand a a lot more about the benefits of, of homeschooling. So that's cool. It's something that you took on for your kids. Did you always want to be a parent?
0: Pretty much, yeah, definitely. I was the oldest of two brothers, and then I also had a lot of younger cousins, and so I just loved babies as a little girl, and I always pictured myself as a mother, and then kind of ironically, I was always attracted to families that had only boys. Um, really? Yeah, and I just always thought they were so cute, and uh, looking back, like maybe that was God's way of preparing me, like, well, because you're gonna have all boys, at least so far. <laughs> so far, it's all boys. So. Um, so I, I love it. I mean, people often ask about, are you going to try for a girl or do you want a girl? But if we never have a girl, I'll be totally fine. If we have a girl, great. But um, I guess that was just kind of meant to be for now.
1: <laughs> kind of sidetracked. Do you get offended or think it's weird or anything like that when people make comments like that? Like, are you going to try um, for a girl or are you just like, oh, whatever? It's
0: so I mean, I don't like it, but it's so common that I'm sort of used to it. Um, mm. But something about... I don't know. It's like when you're a mom with your kids, it's like you have this sign on your forehead that says, like, please, I welcome all comments and thoughts that we have. Like <laughs> I want to hear them all. And it's like, uh, oh, really? Like it's none of your business and I don't know, I mean you can't control it, so you get what that you get. So true. Anyway, that I just so I true. mean, whether you're pregnant, or whether you're out with your small children or I mean we um three out of their four babies have been surprises in terms of their birth, you know, what gender they are. And so it's kind of nice, like, with my fourth pregnancy, and I was out with my three boys, so many people, especially when I was really big and obviously pregnant, they would come up and, oh, I've got to know what you're having. Are you having a girl? Horrible. Oh like Because like, they just wanted to know, oh, is she finally getting that girl or not? Oh. And I would very, <laughs> like, gladly say, well, we don't know yet. It's a surprise. And they would just be like, oh. you know. <laughs>
1: Well, let me know as soon as it happened,
0: <laughs> right like yeah, you're just not gonna know because I'm never gonna see you again, but anyway,
1: that is so funny. Yep. You are so right with that. It starts when you're pregnant, and I cannot tell you how many birth stories I heard when I was pregnant. It was like people saw that I was pregnant yeah. and wanted to tell me about their their birth stories, some very terrifying birth stories. Yes. like, please, I'm good like <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Okay, so what is what is your favorite part of being a mom?
0: I would say as of recently, um, it's been seeing the boys and how they interact with each other. And um, especially with the baby and having like six and a baby is a pretty, it's like, starting to get a wide range there. And so to see how the six-year-old like takes care of the little baby and then even the ones in between. And even, yeah, just, I mean, of course they fight and disagree a lot. But they are really such good friends. And I really believe the best gift you can give to your child is a sibling or or two or three.
1: Um, Melissa, my husband is going to need to listen to this episode. <laughs> yeah, and He's going to need to hear that. Exactly. Well, tell him to tune
0: in. Um, well, <laughs> well because you, as a parent, I mean, hopefully your kids are around a lot longer than you are. And once you're long gone, I mean, ideally as a mother, like, to me, the best thing would be that they were still really close, and you know, shared a positive, healthy relationship as brothers. So, just seeing like glimpses of that um, underneath our own roof right now has just been really fun for me lately. So
1: that's cool. What is uh, on the flip side of that? <laughs> what is the most difficult part of being a mom? Um,
0: I'd say motherhood makes you very aware of your weaknesses. Um, And yeah, and I, you know, you know, you're not perfect, but you can cruise along without being a mom, you know, pre mom days, like, I'm a pretty good person, pretty nice to people. And, you know, I don't have like, tons of enemies or something. But when you become a mom, like, it just, you really, it kind of breaks you down. And you really find out kind of what you're made of. And you realize how impatient you can be and how selfish you can be and it's just a really good lesson in humility and I'm by far like nowhere near saying I've got it all figured out and so I'm just thankful for this journey and um, that my little boys are helping me become a better person so.
1: That is an awesome answer. I ask ask that in some form or fashion and most of my episodes that is the coolest answer I've ever got it's really cool thank you well, I
0: could you're welcome I was like I could say that it's really hard when they're all screaming and crying <laughs> which does happen but that's pretty boring <laughs> so, that's what all kids do at some point right
1: oh <laughs> yeah let's that that's enough about Melissa yeah. for now let's uh let's talk about our topic today natural family planning
0: well before we get into exactly what it is just like to kind of acknowledge the um kind of the stereotype or just like that negative like nfp means you're gonna have 20 kids um (laughs) so it is not what we i guess for a long time women would use the rhythm method which was just like an educated guess on your fertility but natural family planning is much more scientific and has come a long way, but it's basically um, observing your biological signs to know when you're fertile or infertile, because as a woman, you aren't fertile all that often. <laughs> and then you use it in your marriage to um, either to try to conceive a child or avoid getting pregnant. So by definition, it's pretty simple, um, but it does take some Learning and getting used to to implement and feel confident about.
1: So let's talk about the difference between those two things. So you talked about the rhythm method, which I think I, I can. That's basically tracking your cycle and saying I'm probably fertile right now, so I will try to conceive or I will not. Is that tr- is that correct?
0: Yeah, the rhythm method uses more
1: more just the actual
0: like counting the number of days. So I you know I got my period. You know, it's day one of the cycle. So around day 10 is when we should abstain if we're not ready to conceive and not really looking into what your body is telling you about your fertility. It's just kind of the average woman ovulates around day 14. So, you know, mm, okay. using those kinds of like a more general science instead of specific to your body science.
1: Okay, sense. got it. Uh, let's, talk, let's talk more about the specifics then. What kind of biological factors are you referring to?
0: Yeah, so the main one is cervical mucus. And so all women, um, just before and after you ovulate, um, you will be able to observe cervical mucus when you go to the bathroom and check for it. And the cool part is, I don't think most people know, um, if you have healthy eggs and healthy sperm without cervical mucus, it's impossible to get pregnant. So you need the cervical mucus for basically the sperm to reach the egg. And so, oh. yeah, so you're observing for when that is present, because when that is present, that means you are fertile and the sperm can reach the egg.
1: Is that like how that it transports up to the egg or what do you mean that it's needed for that?
0: Yes. Yeah, so when sperm are placed inside the vagina without cervical mucus, they will die within like an hour. Um, but the cervical mucus creates um, a healthy environment for the sperm to survive and make it. Oh. Overweight. Into your uterus, into your fallopian tubes, um, to where when the egg is released, the sperm are there. They're alive and ready and waiting.
1: So okay, they're just like the vagina hosts, like exactly, we'll, like, we'll welcome, be hospitable in here, and, and enjoy yourselves.
0: Right. Well, I, I mean, actually, the vagina is very acidic without the cervical mucus, but the cervical mucus changes the pH, and really, that's that's what the sperm need
1: to survive. Very interesting. Okay. Is that the the primary biological factor or are there other things as well?
0: Yeah. So that's the main one. Um, there are some, um, methods that also look at temperature. That's not one that I use. And there's also, you can check for, um, your cervix, like it's called cervical checks to see if your cervix is sitting higher or lower. Um, but those are in methods that I haven't used. So I'm not as educated on that, but I do know those are other Factor. Sometimes women really like the temperature check um, because it's a pretty concrete sign. Although, once you get into breastfeeding, you have to be asleep for a certain number of like six hours, I believe, and check it every day. And once you have babies, the temperature um, sign is a little bit trickier to be confident about. Um, mm. But then with charting, you also see so much about the length of, um, I mean, just like your period, your your post-ovulatory phase needs to be a certain length um, to show that you're, you have a healthy like healthy hormones and stuff. So there's a lot that through charting you can learn about your body. Um, but w- if we're just talking about you know, ba- you know, when to make a baby and when not to make a baby, it's pretty much the cervical mucus. But I can say that up until I was educated on this, you know, I probably had my cycle for 10 years and had no idea. And so Mm. that's probably the saddest part about all this is that most women just, I mean, you know, the basics of the birds and the bees, but you really don't know how your body works. And it's fascinating when you really start to pay attention and see see what your body is actually telling you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's really cool. Melissa, how did you become, well, maybe let me take a step back because how I met you and was introduced to you is I know a couple that you helped teach uh natural family planning to Mm -hmm. so tell me a little bit about that you you teach it as um like for fun as a job like what (laughs) what in what how do you do that
0: um so I was actually trained in the Creighton model system which is one of the methods out there and so my training it's the Creighton model it's more medically based than some of the others. And so the training involved is I think for me it was about a, a year and a half of working under a supervisor and um taking like there's two intensives, two weeks of intensive classes like one week at the beginning and one week about halfway through.
1: You're um, kidding. I had no idea this was a thing. Yes. I mean
0: it's it's pretty involved, but that's just
1: yeah, it's because
0: it's very um Medically based, there's a lot of science and research that has gone into this, so they take their, the training of the teachers very seriously. Okay. Um, and so I mean, I um benefited so much from like on a health standpoint and just in our marriage and um having a miscarriage, and anyway, all of that really just made me want to become an instructor because it's been so valuable to my health and marriage and family. Um, and so. That's why I wanted to become trained so I could empower other women and teach other couples how to use this. And, um, and I don't, I don't really, I wouldn't call it a job. I do get paid for it, but the the payment basically just keeps, keeps up my, um, my continuing education for it and my materials that I need. I mean, I may oh, sure. just make a little bit of money on the side, but it, I'm a I mean, full-time mom. And so I could put more time and energy into it, but I just don't have the time to do that right now. So it's more just kind of spreads by word of mouth. Um, so sometimes I have a few couples going at the same time, and then sometimes I have a little bit of a break, but, um, but yeah, I just see it kind of almost like a ministry where like I've benefited from it so much. So I want to be available to teach others. And so that's how, um, you know, our our common friend here, um, (laughs) was one of my, she and her husband were one of my clients. So that's how we got hooked up.
1: So that's really interesting. Are you certified? Is it like a certification that you have?
0: Yes. I'm, I like letters after my name for, you know, in the Creighton world are certified fertility care practitioner. Wow. Practitioner does not mean like, I'm not a doctor. Um definitely more of a teacher but that's the term that they used so um so yeah so I teach couples how to women and couples you know how to chart their cycle and then for a lot of couples they might come to me because they're struggling with infertility and then doctors who are trained in this um can then look at a chart and be able to determine okay this is what's not right this is where we need to start looking at blood work you know to help with somebody who's maybe having Frequent miscarriages or struggling even just to conceive. So that's why, that's why it's such a, a serious endeavor, I guess. It's not just a, a weekend class and then you're trained, you know?
1: Right. Right. We'll be back after a short break. Today's episode is sponsored by Strip. After several months of maternity leave, I am back to work which means I'm also back to wearing makeup. Well, I do enjoy wearing makeup. I have never enjoyed the process of removing it at the end of the day. Until now, I've been using a new product I love called Strip. It does more than just remove your makeup, though it does do that well. It is skincare that truly nourishes your face with nutrients and vitamins, leaving behind noticeably healthier looking skin. It's made up of clean ingredients, and it doesn't have a zillion steps that, frankly, I just don't have time for. I've even shared it with family and friends, and we all agree it leaves your skin feeling so soft and looking replenished. My favorite product is the Caviar Jelly Remover. It removes my makeup while hydrating with these fun, bursting nutrient bubbles. Support your favorite podcast with an awesome product. Check out Strip and use my discount by visiting stripyourmakeup.com forward slash Parently. Strip your makeup, not your skin.
0: Now back to Parently with your host, Kelsey Higgins.
1: You touched on this in that that last uh, question but, how it sounds like you had some personal situations that made you become interested in natural family planning, Yes, tell me about that.
0: Yes, yeah, so um, my husband and I are Catholic, and wanting to be faithful to the Catholic Church's teachings with using nFP in your marriage, um, we looked into some of the methods out there, definitely with some a lot of skepticism um, because mm-hmm. of what kind of the secular world tells you about NFP and I really just hadn't learned anything about it. So it's very naive. Mm. And as we kind of looked over, there's not a ton of options, but the few options that are out there, Creighton, I heard was more medically based. And I had been for several years having some irregularities in my own cycle and was frustrated by it, but kind of just put it on the back burner and ignored it. Didn't think it was like life or death type of thing, but. Um, So when I heard that one of them was more medically based, I'm like, well, if we're gonna give this a shot, let's at least go with Creighton, and Mm. see, and just kind of see what it's all about because I can't knock it until I've at least tried it, right? Sure. Yeah. So, so I began to chart my cycles, and it was pretty obvious that, you know, my practitioner at the time was like, oh yeah, this isn't normal, and we need to get this checked out, and um, I was able to work with it's called so Creighton. Couples with what's called NAPRO technology. So NAPRO is short for natural procreative technology. And it's a reproductive science that works cooperatively with a woman's cycle. So it's never going to use like a band-aid approach or, you know, like basically the pill to, um, to solve any issues. It's going to get at the root cause. And so that was very appealing to me. And so um, I was able to see a NAPRO doctor and, um, he was able to guess that it was probably an endometrial polyp I needed to have just like an you know, an outpatient surgery procedure done. And it was removed in my cycle. The next cycle that I had was textbook perfect. And I was blown away because the only other wow. advice was, given was, Oh, this looks like some hormonal problems. If you go on the pill, it'll go away. Yes. Like, well, going on the pill and it going away, that's not solving my problem. And when I was I, so I was just sold. I mean, it was so empowering, so encouraging and just, I felt healed, like truly, like my problem was solved. It wasn't just masked and like, you know, just go on this until you're ready to have a kid, you know? yeah. And then, I mean, I probably, if I'd gone on the pill and then come off of it when we wanted to have a baby and then having that endometrial polyp probably wouldn't have been a very good situation for conceiving anyway. So I was just so, so thankful. And so because I um, had such a good story, just from a health standpoint, Mm. um, I was so convinced that Creighton was going to also work for, you know, kind of the primary uh, point of it, which is to teach you when you're fertile and infertile and then use it in your marriage. So we went into um, our marriage, you know, I'd had the procedure done before we got married and then um, we used it successfully to avoid conceiving for the first nine months and then when we did use it to conceive we ended up having a miscarriage so that was a little disheartening oh I'm sorry yeah thank you um but then because of um because I had you know kind of my own health history I was able to talk to my practitioner and say I'm like you know I think the the length of my post-ovulatory phase it's kind of borderline on the shorter side to where it could be impacting um, pregnancy or maybe my progesterone, which is that it's a super important hormone in your post-ovulatory phase. Maybe that hormone's a little bit low, and she recommended that before trying to conceive again, that I get my hormones checked out. And so it did come back that my my progesterone is on the lower side. So then I was able to supplement ahead of time. So that when I, then we did conceive again, um, my body was much, you know, at a much better place to be receptive to that pregnancy. And then I was able to get progesterone supplements throughout the pregnancy. So I didn't lose that baby. And so, and really all of my pregnancies for better, or for worse, they've needed progesterone, which is not super fun. Um, cause these are, they're shots. So it's not the greatest, but I never, I try not to complain because I'm so thankful for them and I don't. I truly don't know if we would have our four boys without um, the medical help that NAPRO technology has provided. So, so for us, like for me and for our marriage, it's more than just NFP, you know, natural training. Um, But, but yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of how I'm interested in the topic. So it's very personal. um, But all, I mean, such a good, I'm thankful to have such a positive outcome and that I was able to catch things you know, before, you know, I mean, one miscarriage, that's really unfortunate, but there are women that have way more before they're able to figure out what's going on. So, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm so thankful for Creighton in my life.
1: That's really, really interesting. It sounds like there are a lot more, I don't want to call it advantages, but uh, there's a lot more reasons to use it besides just building a family right and I that that's really interesting I didn't I didn't realize all of the different components behind it
0: right I mean for me it's like my own personal like health system I don't know like the way that I keep track of my own health and no doctor could ever have the record of health on me that I have on myself through just now I have stacks of charts that I've, you know, for how long has it been now? Going on nine years of charting. Wow. So, so yeah, you're just so in tune with your body. And it is, like you said, more than just, um, yeah, knowing when or when not to make a baby.
1: So are doctors receptive to that? Or is it like you walk into the room with all these charts and they're like, oh, gosh, here's that Corman lady?
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um i say most doctors have never heard of it because it's so not mainstream when it comes to just either reproductive science or, um, you know, how are you going to, I mean, birth control or whatever. It's just so not mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I mean, so a NAPRO doctor who's trained in it is all about it. They're like, I want to see those charts. Yep. But um, I remember the first doctor I went to with my chart. You know, he looked, my husband was with me and he looked at us like, do you guys have any fun with this? And I was really <laughs> offended by that because I don't really, this is the place to even have a conversation like that. But me charting my cycle to me, it, it, you yeah, know, does not take the fun out of our marriage and our sex life. It, it's different than maybe what you would, in, what you I don't know, go into marriage thinking that you should be able to have sex whenever and however, you know, mm-hmm. um, but and I mean, I, and I was—that was, I think that was the appointment. I was—I just had the miscarriage anyway. So that was—I uh, would say, doctors who aren't familiar with it are a little bit, maybe not every doctor is going to have that comment for sure,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: um, they just might say, "Oh, well, that's well, that's good for you." I mean, because I have a lot of friends that do it, and we sometimes kind of joke about, "What did what did the doctor say this time?" You know?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so which is really kind of sad that they aren't as familiar with it because it is such a great health tool for women. And, you know, there's so many women who are on the pill cause they feel like they don't have any other choice and then they have side effects and doctors just kind of brush, brush them off. Like, Oh, well, you know, it could be the pill. It could just be whatever, where, you know, a lot of times, I mean, you're taking, um, synthetic hormones that has to affect you. You know, it's not just like, oh, it just stops you from ovulating and you feel perfectly normal.
1: Hmm. If there's anything that I've learned from talking to as many folks as I have about, you know, different kind of medical situations, it's that you have to advocate for yourself whatever that means to you and whatever is important to you. Unfortunately, it's just Kind of how the system is set up, but you know we're not always going to be paired up with people who are necessarily uh advocating for for us as individuals you know they certainly right. um and and I am not saying anything against doctors um they do their jobs very well uh but at the end of the day only only you know you know what what's going on and and what you need and um I think that's an important part of the, exactly. the conversation as well. So what are some of the drawbacks, um, or are there any, of using (laughs) natural family planning?
0: There are no drawbacks to NFP. No, I would say um, the biggest one, which is you just really can't control, is, for example, if, you know, as a couple, you might... Um, decide, okay, this is what we're gonna do in our marriage. We're gonna use NFP, but we're gonna get married, and we're gonna we're, we're just gonna wait a year or two before we wanna have kids. Well, your wedding approaches, and you're right there. You know your wedding date, and you're right in the middle of your fertile window. Well, then mm-hmm. what do you do? You know, so or you you know you're five, ten years into your marriage, and you plan a little getaway to get away from the kids for the weekend. Then you might not be ready for that. Baby number three or four, and there you know, like you go away, and you're right in the middle of your fertile window. So I almost feel like it's God's sense of humor <laughs> and, um, mixed into that. But um, you know, you can't always plan your fertile and infertile times around your special, you know, special moments yeah. where you like, you know, where your intimacy would be ideal. And then
1: <laughs> right, and then <laughs> at like, that point oh. you have a decision to make.
0: Exactly. So I love my, my practitioner was always, she always said, you know, I never tell you if you can or cannot have sex. You can always have sex. It's just whether or not you're open to conceiving another child. That's, you know, that's the decision you're making. It's not like I'm telling you, no, you can't have sex right now. so Right. Um, but yeah, but I think on the flip side of that, because, um, you have to take advantage of the time. So I'm I'm kind of talking from a you know, avoiding a pregnancy standpoint. But when you're in those times, you sometimes, you know, you might be a little bit tired or it's just been kind of a eh, kind of mundane Tuesday or something. But you look at your chart and like, well, it might be now or in 10 days. So you kind of make the most of those just random, you know, days that you might easily pass up if it weren't for your chart. And the fact that like, okay, here, it's either now or you have to wait a little while. It's all we know, so I can't compare it to what it's like, um, you know, for somebody who might be on the pill or something like that, where, you know, sex is sort of just like whenever you want it. I feel like it makes us appreciate it more and not take advantage of one another um, instead of just using each other um, for pleasure. It's more, you know, we are intentional about it and yeah, I don't know. It just makes a little bit more sacred in the marriage. So, um, anyway, I'm, I'm again talking about an advantage and not a drawback, but
1: (laughs) no, that's, that's really interesting. I never, I never would have thought about it from that perspective, but you're, you're totally right. If you're at that spot and you're not in the mood as they say, but you look Mm -hmm. and you see, okay, now, or we got to wait. I, it's interesting to think about from that perspective too. And it it encourages because, because you think about natural family planning and just in general, someone who's not educated about it, like me thinks of, you know, abstaining, but Mm -hmm. it's also, it has the adverse effect as well, depending on where you're at in your cycle. That's interesting.
0: Yeah. I think, well, I think it's like the world tells you, Like you're married, you should be able to have sex whenever you want. There's no reason to that you should have to abstain. And um, but really, like when you look at abstaining, I mean, you're (laughs) as a couple, you just you're not having sex all the time. Like you go to work. Like abstaining is normal. Like you know, when it comes to like, I think it, you know, you think of oh, when you have that desire or whatever. But really, when you can, you're in control of your desires instead of your desires controlling you. Like that's that's like a whole new level of, um, of love and giving of yourself, um, when it comes to having sex with your spouse. So I always just kind of laugh at like, Oh, like the the word abstain just seems so negative. It does. But but we, we all abstain. I mean, like you just, you can't have sex all the time. So, uh, or I mean, even your husband, you know, someone goes out of town Well, you're abstaining. Yeah. You, you, you can't have sex when you're out of town, but it's still a, a period of abstaining, whether you want to admit it or not.
1: We'll be back after a short break. Today's episode is sponsored by Strip. After several months of maternity leave, I am back to work which means I'm also back to wearing makeup. While I do enjoy wearing makeup, I have never enjoyed the process of removing it at the end of the day. Until now, I've been using a new product I love called Strip. It does more than just remove your makeup, though it does do that well. It is skincare that truly nourishes your face with nutrients and vitamins, leaving behind noticeably healthier looking skin. It's made up of clean ingredients and it doesn't have a zillion steps that, frankly, I just don't have time for. I've even shared it with family and friends and we all agree it leaves your skin feeling so soft and looking replenished. My favorite product is the caviar jelly remover. It removes my makeup while hydrating with these fun bursting nutrient bubbles. Support your favorite podcast with an awesome product. Check out strip and use my discount by visiting stripyourmakeup.com forward slash parently. Strip your makeup, not your skin.
0: Now back to parently with your host, Kelsey Higgins.
1: You're talking about how your cycles were irregular and it was Mm -hmm. frustrating you. And you kind of used this to get to the root of the cause, right? Yes. So, does a woman is that like step one? Like, does a woman need to have regular cycles in order to use the Creighton method?
0: No, I mean, oh, it does make sense. And a lot of people think, well, my cycles are too irregular to um, to use something like that. But because you're looking at your body and your body's, I mean, your biological signs. Even if it's irregular, you're still you're still going to know when you're fertile and infertile. Um, so, I mean, it wouldn't be prohibitive to use something like this. Um, it might be some, I mean, some women just have a little bit trickier cycles to navigate at the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. When you're working with somebody, you know, in person or, you know, lately virtual um, instructor to be able to look at your individual cycle. Um, it usually doesn't prevent you from learning to still figure out your fertile and infertile windows.
1: Is there anyone that you would say, oh, you know what? You're just not a great candidate for this because X, y, Z.
0: I would say you're either a little girl who hasn't started her cycles yet or you're, <laughs> or you're in your menopause years and you don't have your cycles. I mean, re- truly, it probably sounds sort of tacky or cliche or something, but if you are menstruating, then I I truly believe that you can benefit from it. And I so I kind of said this earlier, but you know when I learned um, about NFP and Creighton, I had been having my period for ten years, and I was there was a part of me that was almost frustrated or mad, angry that as a woman I didn't know this this kind of detail about my own body, and mm-hmm. i had been cycling for that long, and I didn't know about cervical mucus and I was like, why didn't anybody teach me this? Like, I should know this about my own body. Mm. And it was so fascinating and it's beautiful. Like, I just God's design, the woman's body and how it works. Like, it's, I, I mean, I have loved, uh, like, everything about it. But there was that part of me that was like, I should not be this old. And um, I granted, I have boys. But if, if we had a daughter, if we have a daughter one day, I will be teaching her this, like, from... You know, at an age appropriate time, but before she even gets her peers, that she knows what to expect, and then to be able to learn kind of, I mean, not as in detail, maybe charting like I do, but just to be prepared for the cervical mucus and that's normal and what that means. And I just think you can really appreciate your body so much more when you understand it. So,
1: Mm yeah. So, anyway,
0: all that to say is I, you know, I really feel like it can benefit women of all ages as long as you're, you know, in your procreative years.
1: Yeah. Trying to remember as you're talking, I'm like, okay, I know I didn't have this conversation with my parents. Like, did I talk, did they talk about this in health class? Like, I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's not part of, what is it? Fifth grade, the the sex Mm -hmm. uh, that you get in school or, I mean, they teach you the basics, but it's not this detail by any means.
1: I remember my takeaway from that. (laughs) This is so funny. I remember, My biggest takeaway from that fifth grade sex talk was that we need to start showering daily. (laughs) That's what I remember. Oh, goodness. Well, step one, right? Take
0: care of your body and shower.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What is, I think you you mentioned right at the beginning of this, like, hey, it doesn't mean you're going to have 20 kids. Do you think that's the biggest misconception about natural family planning?
0: For sure. Yeah. So, okay. Picture, I mean, I even know somebody who got pregnant with her third on, she was on the pill and somebody in her situation, you go like, wow, that's really unfortunate or unlucky. I mean, you're on the pill, you're doing everything you should to be, you know, a responsible parent, a mm-hmm. responsible married couple. If you're not wanting a baby and they're like, oh, you get pregnant. Oh, you know. But you're doing NFP and you share, oh, yeah, well, we weren't really trying to get pregnant, but we did. And people just almost laugh like, wah, they were using NFP. Of course, what do they think? Right? I mean, that stuff that's stuff. That's actually,
1: yeah, you're right. You're right. I would react totally different in those situations. Or an, I mean,
0: an IUD, that's always scary to me. Somebody who gets pregnant with the IUD, because that can really, it's scary for the baby's health and you, or your own, or both, you know, being pregnant mm-hmm. with the IUD inside. And again, same situation. Oh my gosh, that's so unfortunate. Like, Oh, what is, what an awful situation. But it's like, no, I mean, if you're having sex, there's always a chance that you can conceive. And I don't know, we've gotten away from any people rely too heavily on these various means of contraception. Like, Oh, if I'm doing that, then I'm good, you know? And and I just, I'm not going to get pregnant. And then when it does happen, it's like, oh, well, that's just one of those weird fluke, whatever situations. Like, well, actually like, when two people, when a man and a woman have sex, like having a baby is kind of what's supposed to happen a lot of times. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, in general, it's just always the joke about, you know, NFP and, you know, your bust of kids coming down the road. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to tell you a, a quick little experience and then ask your thoughts on something <laughs> so when after i had my son uh, when you go in to the doctor and they they check you and say okay you can start having intercourse again but you shouldn't have um you shouldn't get pregnant again until you know whatever x x number of months i don't even remember at this point but he, you can either use a condom or go on the pill, was basically go on a pill that has, you know, lighter hormones so you can still breastfeed, whatever. And those, like, those were my two options. And I remember talking to my sister about it and I was like, I, it's, I don't know, it's kind of weird that, like, those medically, those are the two options I was given. It just, it feels kind of strange. So my question to you is, why do you think doctors don't embrace natural family planning methods
0: um they're not educated enough in it to truly believe that it works that's really the bottom line is they what when they're trained in school they have maybe i don't know it's like one page in their book about nfp it's about 75 percent effective when it comes to you know in terms of like a birth control option And so Mm -hmm. they're not going to want to promote something for, you know, if you're serious about like, I do not want to get pregnant. Well, they're not going to encourage, well, you know, if it's 75% effective and that's 25% chance that this, that this woman's going to get pregnant again. And then it's my fault because I recommended this. And so they're just not really up to date on the effectiveness of using, um, a system. And I don't think that they believe, that you know you can be good at like well it's you know it's ninety eight percent effective for somebody who's really good at it but not everyone's going to be that good at it so it's almost you know like they surely couldn't handle something like that so the pill or a condom is definitely going to be better mm. you know mm. instead of
1: it's a safer bet yeah for the
0: yeah the- even though like a pill you have to take every day and people miss their pill you know it's like condom <laughs> has to be put on right and it can't be. Inspired or what you know, so there's always going to be human error involved. But yeah, I think I mean probably I would say the bottom line of that is that they really are just they're just not educated in the science behind it and how truly effective it can be when it's taught correctly and implemented correctly.
1: Do you think it's come a long way, or do you think it's just people are because you talk about you know 75 percent is typical and then 98% if you use it effectively like do you think those numbers will ever change or do you think it's always going to be like the typical person 75 the 98 per- how how am I trying to say that so the individual can increase can impact the effectiveness of it right mm-hmm. but do you ever see that the collective will get better at it meaning that that 75% will increase all right, well,
0: let me first sort of clarify so the seventy five percent that more comes from like the rhythm method, and so okay, like, like when it comes to like, creighton, it's ninety eight percent effective in perfect use, so you know having learned it correctly and using it correctly, and then in typical use, which includes some just natural human errors or whatever, isn't still ninety six percent and so mm-hmm. Um, I guess what I was trying to say is that they're a little bit behind. So the the, te- the science has come a long way, but okay. med school hasn't done its due diligence to, um, to keep up with it because it's just not interested in it. So it just keeps saying that it's still not very effective.
1: You answered the question I was trying yeah. to ask. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. what I was trying to ask. Yeah, You read my mind. Yeah. So if someone's been listening to the podcast and they're like, wow, that's, that's really interesting. I think that that's something that I want to look more into or I, I would like to try. What are good resources for those folks?
0: You can go to CreightonModel.com and learn about Creighton <laughs> specifically. Um, okay, we a great website called You, Me, and NFP. And oh. they share a lot of information um, about NFP. And there's even a blog that goes along with this website. Um, There's a great website called naturalwomanhood.org. And they um, post a lot of stuff, a lot of really good articles all around this topic of um, women's health and fertility and using natural ways to heal your body or natural means of family planning. Natural family planning, yeah. (laughs) Um, And the fertilitycare.org is a good website for if if you're interested in Creighton, um, finding somebody um, in your area who is trained. Although because of technology these days and with COVID stuff, I mean, I can I can pretty much teach anyone anywhere from my home and from the computer. Um, Mm. And so I can be found on Facebook at. Emerald Coast Fertility Care.
1: Emerald Coast. That sounds so, um, I don't know, romantic.
0: <laughs> when you live in Panama City, it's, it's used widely for lots of companies because we are on the world coast. But um, yeah, it does sound quite lovely. <laughs> um, yeah, so Emerald Coast Fertility Care is the name of my center um, through the Creighton model.
1: Awesome. Melissa, anything else that... I didn't ask you that you wanted to talk about. I mean, to anyone who's listening,
0: especially if this is, you know, if you kind of roll your eyes at NFP or you just feel, ah, that's great for someone else, but not for me to just like, I don't know, to be open to it. And especially, I mean, if you have any health issues, it's just, I can't, I can't like praise it enough for what it's done for me and my own marriage and health and. health um, starting a family, and so, I mean, even because even if a doctor might be skeptical of it, I mean, don't be your own advocate like Kelsey was saying, and and really just yeah, research it, give it a shot. I mean, always feel free to reach out to me through Facebook or you can even email me at Emerald Coast Fertility Care at gmail.com. Um, and I'd be happy to point you in the right direction.
1: Awesome, I learned a lot today and I I truly do think I came into this conversation with some preconceived notions that I don't have anymore (laughs) you know things that I'm like oh I didn't think about it that way or oh that's you know that's that's really interesting I just I think that it was very informative and I love learning new things and and just in general I think we can all get kind of stuck in our ways of life whatever yeah it may be in, in whatever reference and i think now more than ever it's important to kind of branch out and understand um you know what other folks are doing and thinking and and why uh, the why behind it's always really important i think that's the part that gets missed so thank you melissa i think it was really really informative and i really appreciate your time
0: well thank you for being open and interested
1: and yeah just ask them lots of good questions so it's been fun to share with you well good luck melissa with your four boys (laughs) same all well five boys including hubby Yes. (laughs) (laughs) and i know how how incredibly busy you must be so i just uh, very much appreciate your time today thank you you're welcome And to all of the listeners, thank you for joining. I invite you to tune in again next week for another insightful conversation. And if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. See you next time.